everybody, it's your buddy, it's your Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and this is WWE Last Week, your weekly look back at the week that was in WWE, and I tell you right now, I was looking forward to doing this episode of WWE Last Week, because we're going to have a bunch of my opinions that aren't going to be very popular, and a bunch of things that I really, really liked that a bunch of other people didn't, so the comment section will be fun, but that's okay, it adds to the algorithm and all that other fucked up shit, I will say right off the bat, Elon Musk, once you're done fixing Twitter, please come fix YouTube. Thank you very much. I'm going to use this as an opportunity right now off of that, you know, stinging jab at YouTube. Uh, for anybody that does follow me on YouTube, I am trying to get some more traction on the other platforms. Now, you guys know this hasn't been a video... Um, uh, a video content production for quite a while, honestly, because I just find fi recording the audio to be a lot easier and I don't have to pretend that I'm awake in front of a camera. So, you're not missing anything if you listen to it on audio. Uh, so please, uh, if you do follow me on YouTube, thank you, I appreciate that, don't get me wrong, but please go check this content out. The content is identical. Uh, go to Rumble, search Fast Phoenix Podcast on Rumble if you want another uh, video alternative, uh, even though there's no video right now, as you know, or go and find me on all the audio platforms. I, as you guys know, I distribute through Anchor, which is not a very popular thing from what I can gather, but on the other side of the coin, it does distribute it out to all the all the popular ones. You've got Apple Podcasts, you've got Spotify, you've got iHeartRadio, you've got um, all the ones that everybody knows about when you say, go please check out my podcast. But yeah, Spotify, iTunes, uh, if you want another video alternative, even though there's no video, go to Rumble. In all of those, search Spaz Phoenix Podcast. You will find the identical content here. I'm trying to see if I can... Uh, pick up some speed on some of those other platforms because YouTube is quite flawed. Let's just be real about it. I have, uh, I've never reached the, uh, I've never done this for money, but I've never been able to reach the monetization stage because they keep on moving the, uh, moving the goalposts. And as you've seen on Twitter the past little while, I've been more vocal about it. People that are subscribed to this channel, uh, have come to me and said, hey, how, yeah, I haven't seen any videos from you in a while. Are you are you not doing videos anymore? And it's like I literally put up a video last night or whatever. People who are subbed aren't seeing my videos. People who are not subbed and trying to search are not finding me in search, so that's kind of fucked up. Uh, I mean, I know they silence certain um, unpopular, shall we say, political views, but this is me just shooting the shit about wrestling. That shouldn't be a thing. So this long-winded ramble is, if you are listening to me on YouTube right now, please do consider going and checking this out on either Rumble or on the podcasting platforms that I mentioned before, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, got to get out of the habit of saying iTunes, I am just as bad as Adam Wilborn of what culture fame in that sense, and uh, yeah, gratuitous plugging out of the way, find me at YouTube, or on uh, Twitter at SpazPhoenix or at SpazPhoenix1, uh, Instagram's the same, you guys, you guys know the drill, if you're listening to me right now, if you were able to find this video today, you probably already know everything that I just said. So let's talk instead about the week of wrestling that was. I'm not going to spend too much time on Crown Jewel. Uh, Logan Paul was awesome. Uh, everybody's already said that, which is fine. All the other matches that were predictable uh, had their predictable results. Yes, the cage match between Cross and Drew McIntyre. 
was, I think, was good until the end, not great, and then it got really bad towards the end because we did the mace thing again, so what was the purpose of doing a cage match? I don't really know. The Raw Women's Championship match was dumb on a lot of levels. It was dumb based on the result because Bailey should be champion right now, and it was also dumb based on how it was done because it is identically... I mean, it wasn't the same literal item being used, but it is just as dumb and just as damaging to the reputation of the wrestler or the talent in the ring as the John Cena-Batista duct tape spot. They just pinned them with something else other than duct tape. That was really bad. And yes, I have my opinions for and against Bianca Belair. I don't care. Put somebody I love in that spot. Take out Bianca Belair, put Charlotte Flair in there. Charlotte Flair against Bailey with the same ending, I would say it's just as bad. That is dumb. You wanted to make somebody look silly at the end of the match rather than defeated, and that is not cool. Everything else is fine. The Logan Paul stuff... It was what it was. I What can I say that hasn't already been said about Logan Paul? Think whatever you want about the guy. Think whatever you want about his brother. But a guy that has legitimately had three matches in the WWE, all in front of large crowds. What was it? SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and then Crown Jewel. Um, the uh, the cell phone thing coming off the top rope was, was cool. I wish they hadn't done him like doing the selfie thing in his entrance if they were going to, again, do the selfie thing in the match. I know that's such a minor thing, and I will even admit it doesn't matter at all. But the point of it being that uh, it was a really cool thing, and it got like ridiculous, like 44 million views on YouTube for people that care about about those things. And speaking of numbers, apparently this show, and yes, people that think what they think about the Saudi Arabia shows, I know this isn't going to matter for you. Apparently this is. This show was twice as successful monetarily as any other show that they've done over in Saudi Arabia. And if you think about the money involved in those shows, that's astronomical money that people like me and you are never going to see in our lifetimes. But good for them. They were successful. They all, uh, what's, what's the cliche? They all put their bodies on the line. So I hope they all got a really good payday out of that. I mean, the obvious uh, people that weren't there weren't there for obvious reasons. And, uh, and we move forward. But they are, they are treating it more like part of the pay-per-view schedule now, so it does affect things going forward. As we start off Monday Night Raw with the Usos and Solo Sokoa, because they are beyond, they are beyond brand split, because they are the the unified tag team champions, much like Roman can can dip from both shows. So I guess anybody associated with them can dip between both shows. So Solo Sokoa is there as well. Sami Zayn is not there for reasons we're going to talk about later. Uh, they talk about the Bloodline success at Crown Jewel, and this basically, they used this Raw as a go-home show to the SmackDown, where they were going to be going for the world's longest tag team record, whatever, against the New Day, who currently hold the title at this point. Um, New Day comes out, and I'm sorry, I, I hate to say this, because the New Day are fantastic wrestlers, but when they come out and try to be serious, it's hilarious. It really, really is hilarious. It would be like... Uh, it's like Eddie Kingston trying to be a scary gangster, and the more he tries to be a scary gangster and bobbles his head around like a bobblehead, the funnier it gets. The more that the New Day try to be serious, the funnier it gets, which is shitty in a way, because they are fantastic athletes. Xavier Woods in particular, because Kofi got the push, Big E got the push. Go back years and years and years through my, through my, uh, my various 
modes of, of uh, content and such, I've always said, when you look at the New Day, okay, out of the three of them, they picked Kofi Kingston. Okay? Out of the three of them, they picked Big E, which was a little more a little more predictable, a little bit more understanding. And I'm just like, how do you leave Xavier Woods out, out in the cold? You've got two ex-WWE champions, and then you made the other one King of the Ring in Saudi Arabia. Now, granted... He wanted to be the King of the Ring. He was one of the voices pushing King of the Ring uh, back into existence. But they've always left Xavier Woods sort of out in the woods, if I can make a really, really bad pun. But them, them trying to be serious is always funny. Oh, speaking of King of the Ring, my last podcast before this one is a little bit of a... Uh, topical commentary off the cuff type thing. I gave you guys all my thoughts on all the potential changes in the pay-per-view slash PLE uh, landscape in WWE. It's quite good. I think we will have a very different looking pay-per-view schedule calendar next year and some of it's great and some of it might not be great. So please go and check that out. I had a lot of fun doing it and I would love more eyes on it selfishly. <laughs> um, so we get the New Day, and we get the Usos face-to-face, -face and they go back and forth, and they do the typical... This is the other reason I couldn't take the New Day seriously. They do the typical thing. Oh, you guys uh, you guys had a leg up because uh, your your family did this too. And it's like, that is such a lame insult. It, and across wrestling, they, they do it, you know, with Roman. They do it with the Usos. They'll probably do it to Solo at some point. They do it to Charlotte Flair. They do it to... Anybody, they do it, I mean, okay, take somebody that I don't even like. They do it to Cody Rhodes sometimes. Um, they do it, I mean, if David Flair was still around, they'd be doing it to David Flair. It is such a chintzy thing to go after the one thing that that person has absolutely no control over. Absolutely, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work as an insult. And you've got the other side of the coin of if you're forced to try and fill the shoes of somebody like Ric Flair or The Rock, you are in a much worse position. You are under such a bigger microscope. You are such so, so much more the victim of comparison than somebody coming in with a clean slate. So not only is it a lame insult, it's a lie. Oh yes. Um, but they came back, and which is something that I did love, which is something which was a hanging thread that they've left out there for years. And they turned their attention to Kofi Kingston and said, yeah, we gave you Kofi Mania. Which is true. If you remember when Vince McMahon was fucking with Kofi Kingston because Kofi Kingston must be the victim of the big, bad, scary, white old man that runs the business. Bullshit, anyway. But they did that thing where Xavier Woods and Big E had to go through a tag team gauntlet to get Kofi Kingston his title shot at WrestleMania. And... Usos basically went in, laid down, paid their respects to Kofi Kingston, and moved on. The Usos, kayfabe, I'm not saying, it's a story, I get it. Kayfabe, the Usos, gave Kofi Kingston his WrestleMania spot. And they've never mentioned it until now. So when they pulled that out there, I absolutely loved that. And this was, it was starting to heat up, even though the New Day being serious is hilarious. And it was cut off by Riddle. And all the air went out of the balloon. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they hit the. He says, you know, everybody needs to calm down. Everybody needs to hit the bong because he's got the bongo drums. That's the new, that's the new thing now. They hit the bong. Um, new Day hits the bong and they do the New Day rocks to the to the bongo beat and they say, hey, does Solo want to hit the bong? And Solo just looks at him. Jimmy hits the bong because Jimmy, out of all of them, is the one that was just in it for a good time. And and he goes to Jay and Jay nails him and there's a six-man tag because, of course, there is. And it's a solid, I will say, 
as I said, character stuff aside, storyline stuff aside, I can't take anything away from The New Day. Riddle's great. Solo Sokoa is probably one of the biggest success stories of 2022. Not gonna lie. Uh, and the Usos are the fucking Usos. I mean, they talk about like the Usos and New Day as being one and two, and it's like, no, Usos are one... And then New Day down here somewhere is number two. You can't see my hands because this is an audio platform, but you get the drift. Um, really, really solid preview. Solo pins Riddle so that neither of the teams involved on Friday will be going in with a loss or a gain. It keeps it very equal, and it also puts a solid uh, spotlight once again on Solo Sokoa and a solid spotlight on Riddle, who, again, character aside, is fun to watch in the ring. Um... Also, it should be said that this took up the first 45 minutes of Raw. Uh, so we get to the next thing, and it's very, very skippable, and it's Baron Corbin, managed by JBL, which pisses off all the right people. Oh, yes. Uh, beating Cedric Alexander. Yep. Because Cedric Alexander does diddly squat, and Baron Corbin's brand new character is a brand new thing on the show. So we'll overlook that point so that people can get mad on Twitter. But this is uh, this is a lot of fun. they got to get him some better gear. But uh, JBL winding everybody up and calling everybody snowflakes and talking about how they would have like not existed back in the day is hilarious because it's true. And it's kind of... I, I always say this, but it goes back to the when we first got the Joe Gacy character in NXT and he was basically playing an SJW character. And it's like, you don't like it because it's true. And you don't realize what a cell phone that is. And we're going to get much more into that when we get into the SmackDown content, I promise you. Uh, Baron Corbin beats Cedric Alexander. The, uh, the end of days and the deep six are still two of the coolest moves in wrestling. And yes, Baron Corbin is not a main event superstar, but he's got two main event superstar finishers, if that makes any sense at all. Seth Rollins comes out, and here's where the story gets interesting once again. Rollins is... Definitely on a face turn, from the company's point of view. Everybody loves Rollins. You ask the crowd right now, Rollins is already a face. He's doing the, the, the blonde streak in his hair like he had in the, with the shield. It's not quite the same, but we get what he's doing. He's sort of toning down the bombastic, you know, Lady Gaga reincarnated um, ring gear, etc. But he's still coming out there with enough flash that it's lingering a little bit, which is a, which is a really cool line to walk. Um... He comes out and he's doing a U.S. title open challenge, which, again, is a very babyface thing to do. And the music of the Judgment Day hits, and immediately I'm thinking, okay, Rollins, Balor, there's immediate, there's immediate universal championship history there, and Balor takes the mic, and he says exactly what I'm thinking. He says, Year, years back you cost me gold, and now I'm come here to cost you some gold. Now... I will say, if you want to be nitpicky about it, the debuting at the time Universal Championship versus the United States Championship that's on Seth Rollins' waist right now, not quite the same, but that's not nearly the biggest discrepancy we're going to see in this episode of Raw. They are interrupted, of course, by the OC, and there's this perfect shot of them, and I, it's all over Twitter, it's all over Facebook, it's all over the WWE website, and it's all of the OC on one side, and it's all of the Judgment Day on the other side, Rollins, or sorry, uh, 
I can't think. My brain doesn't work. AJ Styles and Finn Balor face-to-face with their backup behind them and Seth Rollins standing right in the middle as he leaves. And they have this big conversation in the ring about evening the odds and how they only lost at Crown Jewel because there was still a numbers advantage, da-da-da-da-da. We have found a way to solve the Rhea Ripley problem. And outside, Rhea Ripley standing outside, which is a bit weird. It was a bit of a tell. It was a bit of an angle alert. But it's fine. She gets attacked by a hooded figure with a kendo stick, and the hooded figure with the kendo stick is fucking Mia Yim. Oh yes, she attacks Mia Yim, the brawl comes down to four on four, Styles and Balor uh, square off in the middle of the ring, and Balor bails Styles and the OC, including Mia Yim, stand tall in the ring. If you look at the thumbnail of the video right now, if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, you'll see top left-hand corner, big successful pose from the OC with Mia Yim now. Love this for a bunch of reasons, because this will be a cool match at Survivor Series, even though they haven't announced it yet. Um, There was a lot of talk, once again, about, you know, everybody that went from WWE to AEW, oh, they all got saved, they all got saved, and Keith Lee was one of the guys that got saved, so when Mia Yim's time is up in Impact, she'll clearly come and join him. Nope. I think she sees the weird position Keith Lee is in now where he's like the baby face of a mixed tag team going into weird mixed tags with heels against faces even though he's still a face, which doesn't make any sense in the company that makes their name and their bread and butter on their tag team wrestling, mind you. Uh, And on top of that, just doesn't treat the women's division very well at all. They're lucky they got Paige. I hope they don't break her. Um... It's really cool from that perspective. It's really cool from the perspective of Gimme Rhea Ripley versus Mia Yim one-on-one and obviously um, give us this four-on-four intergender person match at War Games. But also, you could kind of call the OC Team Impact if you wanted to be a snarky asshole about it. Because AJ Styles, when AJ Styles came to the Royal Rumble and, you know, we found out that he was in WWE for the first time, it was a huge turning point. Like, we had other people come over. Robert Roode came over. Samoa Joe came over. Uh, a couple of other people came over. But AJ Styles, and we, 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 we made the lazy comparison all the time. If there was ever an Impact versus WWE, or TNA at the time, if there was ever a TNA versus WWE pay-per-view, you'd have to do John Cena versus AJ Styles, because AJ Styles was the TNA guy. And the, other, the rest of this team, the, uh, the Good Brothers and Mia Yim, have just left Impact. So... It's kind of cool that there's already, like, the Bullet Club connection between the three guys, but now the four of them have this connection of being this insurgent team from TNA slash Impact. Now, that is absolutely not the story at all. It's just something that I enjoy a whole lot. Otis versus Elias. There's a Gable distraction and a huge slam by Otis, and, uh... Otis gets the win, and I don't know what they're doing with Elias, and why is Kevin Owens not involved. Now, all the news suggests right now that Kevin Owens is off because his whole big story was going to be him trying to save Sami Zayn from the bloodline. Now, we'll get into something on SmackDown, which may mean that that's going into play again, but the idea is that they put that idea on pause because Sami Zayn in the bloodline is such a good idea. The only good thing about the Ezekiel character was Kevin Owens coming out, calling him out every week, and, and you know, metaphorically speaking, blowing his brains out. Why he has not come to call out the returning Elias is a huge storyline plot point. I just said a minute ago, uh, Usos costing 
Usos caught, um, basically giving Kofi Kofi Mania, and then Balor calling out Rollins for the Universal Championship stuff. Those are long hanging story threads. How have you not done the Elias Owen Kevin Owens thing yet? I just don't know. Judge Day are in the back. They're reacting to the to the Mia Yim. Uh, what do you call? It? What do you, I don't want to say like announcement, but because she announced herself with violence. So the introduction of Mia Yim, and they sort of kind of try and shrug it off. And as they walk off, just for a split second, Rhea Ripley crosses paths with Bianca Belair. And please, for the love of God, I don't care if it's at the Royal Rumble. I don't care if they carry it out to WrestleMania. Please have Rhea Ripley save that belt. Um, now she crossed paths with Bianca Belair because Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss are coming out to the ring. Fan cam footage, and I say that in tight air quotes, caught all six women fighting in the parking lot area. Now I don't know if this is supposed to be, I didn't catch it, I didn't hear it, I don't know if this is supposed to be after Crown Jewel or before Raw on the night, but it's the three of them brawling with damage control. They call out damage control. Um, they all do a bit of promo off the most entertaining thing in the world, even though I don't know a thing about what they're saying, uh, is Eosky and Asuka going crazy at each other in Japanese. Now, I will say to the people out there that are like, well, it's not their fault that you don't speak Japanese. I'm like, I'm not saying that. I just wish I knew what they were saying. But the point of it is I don't need to know what they're saying because they're acting through their you know, through their tone, through their face, through their body language, through their characters, and, and you get the point. And then, obviously, uh, Eosky ends it off with, bitch, <laughs> which is great. Now, I will say, if you go to, I'm not associated with any of the people that I plug here, I just tell you where I find my stuff, go to nodq.com, uh, and in their news clip, things on the night, I think it was the day after, somebody did translate all that they said, so you can go read it, it's a good time, whatever. Bianca Belair calls them out for war games, and they're all nodding on the rampway as they retreat, because they're, they're heels, and therefore they have to retreat, and it's Bianca Belair, so they have to retreat, all that kind of thing, and then Nikki Cross attacks them from behind, and takes them all out, and the heels come back for a four-on-three beatdown, and then Bailey accepts. So now we're playing the game. Because we've seen in the trailers that they very specifically talk about War Games being a five-on-five -five thing, you have Damage Control and Nikki Cross, which needs one more person, uh, and you have Asuka and Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair, who need two more people. Now, one of those is going to be Candice LeRae, and I really, really, really wanted the other one to be somebody else who we're going to talk about later who is now busy at Survivor Series, but that's okay. It's a good thing. Um, where are we going next? So yeah, the big story now becomes who's going to join. I really hope, I really hope that it's not what the rest of the internet world wants it to be because that will just be rewarding bad behavior, and I'll leave it at that. Theory versus Sheldon Benjamin was a thing that also happened. Austin Theory was caught in the back on camera calling Shelton Benjamin irrelevant. Okay. Good a reason as any to have a match. Why not just have like, hey, you're a great athlete. Hey, you're a great athlete. Hey, this is an athletic show. Why don't you go have an athletic contest? But yeah, Theory called Shelton Benjamin irrelevant. Now, it was kind of cool. Uh, for those of you that know on social media, the close, close friendship between Shelton Benjamin and Mia Yim, to have them both sort of come back to the show on the same night was a nice, neat little touch. Probably not related at all, but whatever. Really, really good match. Shelton Benjamin, I gotta give him all the credit in the world, did 
a really great job of pulling out every good thing Austin Theory had. Now, it's not that hard. Austin Theory is great, even though it's not popular to say that right now. Um, but I couldn't help but think, because he came in and lost after not being there for a while, and Alexander came in and lost and without not being there for a while as well. So, don't do the Hurt Business thing because, you know, they've done that so many times. But these two, just as a tag team, are a good tag team. And they just never decided to do anything with them outside of, hey, Bobby, can we be your friend again? Hey, Bobby, can we be your friend again? Go off. Maybe even if you take the Hurt Business name with you, like take the name away from MVP and Bobby Lashley and just be a tag team called the Hurt Business, I, I think it would be good, if nothing else, just to elevate other tag teams. But if not... Put the titles on them. Why not? Once we split the titles again, which I'm pretty sure we will, put one of the titles on Shelton Benjamin and Alexander, and it's not going to hurt anybody. Miz comes out. Miz denies everything in the Johnny Gargano, like, 60 Minutes interview from last week. We're supposed to have Miz versus Gargano. Gargano gives a speech from the Tron, and he operates the Tron with the universal remote that he brought from home. I thought that was cool. Everybody else jumped on it to tell him how lame it was. Uh, and it was footage of a private investigator that had posed as a movie director and gotten Miz to admit all the things that he did, you know, the bad business dealings with Dexter Loomis, etc., etc. And then they have their match. Miz is obviously flustered through the whole match. He's pissed off, and he's, like, more aggressive than we've seen the Miz in a while. Um... He gets thrown to the outside at one point, and he fakes a Dexter attack. Like, he shoves himself under the ring as if Dexter is being, uh, being, uh, what do you call it? Ah, oh, what's the word? If he's just, like, being the guy under the ring that just pulls him under, and that, and that should be the end of the match. But while the referee is trying to find out where this invisible Dexter is, Miz comes back from under the ring, smashes uh, Johnny Gargano in the face with the metal bolt of the turnbuckle, and gets the win. He's bragging on the rampway and gets attacked by the actual Dexter Loomis after the match. I'm really scared that the one-on-one -on -one Miz versus Dexter Loomis match is going to be a match on Survivor Series. And I'm like, you know what? Dexter Loomis is a cool part of the Johnny Gargano story if they decide to do The Way again. And I'm a big fan of The Miz, if you guys hadn't already figured that one out. That's not a match I want to see in any way, shape, or form. Um, damage Controller in the back hyping up Nikki Cross because Nikki Cross has a match with Dana Brooke for the 24-7 championship. And here's where, once again, all the hypocrites on Twitter just own themselves because... Nikki Cross, who's absolutely crazy and kind of into it, not going to lie, uh, owns Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke is somebody that I will always advocate for getting more screen time. Give her something better than the 24-7 championship, but it is what it is. Uh, Dana Brooke is out in gold and blue, which was kind of interesting because those were the old Nikki A.S.H. colors. And I thought they could do something with that. They didn't do anything with that. Nikki Cross owns her for the 24-7 the championship, and as she's walking away from the ring, she leaves the belt behind. Bailey and Damage Control are out there with her, hyping her up. Uh, they try to put the belt over her shoulder, and it kind of falls off. She's walking through the back and whatever, and she's so delirious with, you know, I just got to beat somebody up pretty much. She's playing the crazy version. Everybody online or all the critics, I just say, oh, she's walking around like she just had an orgasm. Why? 
because she's a chick. Anybody else is like, oh, she's in, she's in fucking euphoria. She's a crazy person that just got to go and be crazy on somebody, and she enjoyed it. So she's in the, what do you want to call it, like the afterglow of, hey, I just got to beat the shit out of somebody. But no, because people are strange online and podcasters want to make fake headlines, they say shit like that. She's walking in the back, and she looks at the belt for like a split second and tries to chuck it in the garbage bin, and it doesn't even go in the bin. <laughs> which is hilarious and she just kind of walks off and they have this cool thing now where damage control they have a weapon at their disposal but also they don't quite know how to handle the weapon it's like they're happy that the weapon is on their side but they also don't know how to it's like a Frankenstein's monster situation now let's talk about all the crazy people online that wanted to be fake outraged about this oh my god how are we supposed to take any titles seriously if they're just throwing them in the bin you're the same people that are going out there week after week after week saying the 24 7 title is stupid oh my god how could they bury dana brooke like that you're you're gonna pretend now that you give a shit about dana brooke that's hilarious oh they binned off the the title in such an unceremonious way and they they gave nikki cross a championship only to take it away from her right away with the writing no, she took something from somebody else for the joy of taking something from somebody else. And the disrespect of Nikki Cross chucking something in the bin that meant so much to Daniel Brooke is actually a cool storyline thread that they can pull if they want to. So it all works. Now, if this gets us... Now, I'm not saying it'll be pay-per-view worthy or anything like that, but if this gets us a little, like bottom-of-the-card mini-feud between Dana Brooke and Nikki Cross just based on, oh man, you know, nobody thought anything of that title, but I tried my hardest to to make it worth something, all that kind of thing, uh, which would work for, for Dana Brooke because we know all the other wrestlers that get interviewed have said various stories about it, like how... I don't know how she has she isn't on TV more. She's the first one in, she's the last one out. She's, you know, helping out the ring crew. She's always working out, you know, you know, we'll all leave the gym and she'll still be there. So there's a very real element to that. So if you have her now outraged that something she works so hard, even though it's the 24-7 title and it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, she wanted to make it worth something. So the fact that she wanted to make it worth something and Nikki Cross just doesn't care because she's crazy, you could have a little tiny inconsequential bottom of the card feud for those two ladies. It'll give Nikki Cross immediately something to do after Survivor Series and it will get, have an excuse for Dana Brooke, who busts her ass, to be on television more because I will advocate for that. And yes, I'm sorry, I will say once again, you are allowed to be all three. You are allowed to be white, blonde, and successful. Sorry for all the weirdos out there. Um, Mia's talking after we pan away from them t chucking the belt in the bin. Mia Yim is with the OC as they're getting interviewed, and then she offers to buy them all drinks tonight. And AJ Styles' reaction was like, "You know, these guys can these guys can drink a lot, right?" <laughs> which is which is good. Okay, ending segment. Here we go. Here's where people, again, pretend to be all very wounded up, except they're not. Uh, Rollins comes out to do the open challenge again. Now, this answers a question or a problem that they did earlier on in the night. Seth Rollins, as I said, slowly becoming a babyface, going out there doing the open challenge, opening the challenge up to anybody, and having the challenge answered first by Balor, who is a heel, only solidifies Rollins as a babyface. Not only that, he slipped away from the situation after the fact, and he could have gotten off scot-free for the night, but he says no as a babyface. I said I was going to do an open challenge tonight. Let's do an open challenge tonight. He comes out, he thanks the crowd for 10 years of Seth Rollins as they're all singing the song, etc. Um, he says, before I beat Bobby Lashley, it had been way, way, way too long since I've held a title, and then Ali pops up on the Tron, 
and uh, says that he's going to challenge for the universe, for not the universal, the United States championship because Ali in this new upstart babyface guys that he's in right now comes off more of a heel than Seth Rollins does by virtue of the fact that we all like Seth Rollins. Uh, but he doesn't get to come, even come down to the ring because Ali gets the absolute shit kicked out of him by Lashley. And Lashley chucks him against the wall. And I'm going to borrow an Adam Nicholas impression. Chucks him at the wall like an empty tracksuit. Oh, yes. It's it's comedically bad. It's like when they were in the back, when, when Mysterio was about to face... Brock Lesnar some time ago, and they were in the back, and he, like, F5'd his kid into the wall. It, it was kind of like that. Rollins versus Lashley, uh, they, they get mauled on the outside. Yeah, I can speak, I swear. My writing is terrible, and therefore my speaking becomes terrible. I apologize. Um, Rollins gets mauled on the outside by Lashley before the match starts. That's the key point, the key indicator of all this. The refs and the security try to control it. There's a, there's a slam through the table and all that kind of thing. Lashley leaves. He has made himself look like an idiot because he had an open challenge. He had an open chance to get his championship back, but instead he just wanted to beat Rollins up and leave him there and not roll him back in the ring and maybe pin him for the title. So Lashley's an idiot, moving on. And we see Theory coming out just before the commercial break, and I question it because he's teased cashing in on a lot of people. He's teased cashing in on Roman, on Brock. He even teased um, cashing in at NXT when they did that big all-star episode of NXT. But he comes out just before the commercial break, and as they come back from the commercial break, Theory has cashed in on Seth Rollins for the United States Championship, and the match is happening. And Theory does what the cash-in guy usually does, goes for a lot of quick pinfalls and gets a couple quick kickouts by uh, by Rollins. There's a lot of really cool, like, quick-sequence stuff they do. An A-Town down into a pedigree, into a Theory-instigated pedigree for a near-fall, rolling Chaos Theory into a powerbomb. Lashley comes back, pulls out the ref, beats the shit out of Theory. Shiri beats the ten, uh, Theory beats the 10 count back into the ring to eat a stomp by Rollins, and Rollins gets the win. Now, everybody freaked out about this because, oh my god, he's such an idiot, why would he go against Seth Rollins? It's like, okay, the same people that are saying that are underlining the fact, and it's true, there's no way they're going to have Theory cash in on... Uh, on Roman Reigns. That's not going to happen. It's just not. There are bigger things going on with Roman Reigns. What's your other choice? Your other choice is cash in on Walter. They're not going to have him cash in on Walter because Walter is also a heel. Walter they're trying to build as a monster. Walter has two other very able guys at his side that make that completely unbelievable because Theory is the heel with no backup and Walter is the giant monster heel with all the backup. That doesn't make sense. So you've got uh, Theory trying to cash in on a very beat-down uh, Seth Rollins uh, for a smaller title, but hey, here's this guy who's coming to a turning point in his in his character. He's gotten the shit kicked out of him by uh, by Bobby Lashley, who's bigger and badder and better than everybody. Why wouldn't you? The only other option would have been to grab himself a tag team partner and cash in for the tag team titles, but the, even then, you would have been going against the Usos, who are indestructible, as we're going to talk about shortly. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Him cashing in on a random episode of Raw for a mid-card title that he's already held on a night where that person was already giving open challenges doesn't make sense unless you look at the logic of, hey, Ali was going to cash in on that and Lashley went out and took him out so that he could have the challenge instead. Theory didn't want that to happen to him, so he waited until Lashley had already done his business to come in after the fact. So that's maybe a way to get around the open challenge. I really don't know. But once again, 
you've got people who, since he showed up in NXT because of, oh, he might have done whatever in his previous life, or he's got something that we disagree, some theory that we just, no pun intended, something that we disagree with him on, some, he said something mean on Twitter or whatever, so from the minute that he showed up in NXT, people don't want this kid to get, I shouldn't call him kid, but don't want this guy to achieve anything. You didn't want him to show up in NXT from, where was it, Evolve that he came from? You didn't want him to succeed on NXT, then he became part of The Way with Johnny Gargano and all that, which was incredibly entertaining if a little, if a little light in the um, achievement category. Then he comes to Raw, and then, oh, he's associated with Vince McMahon in a fictional capacity. He must be a bad guy. All the things we thought about him were true. He's not allowed to achieve anything. Why the hell would they give him the, the Money in the Bank match, right? Why would they give him the Money in the Bank briefcase? So, you don't want him to succeed, you don't want him to have the briefcase and whatever, but now that this has happened, you turn him and, oh my god, they buried Austin Theory. We're going to pretend that we care about that. And, oh my god, they buried the money in the bank that we didn't want him to have in the first place. You're all very, very strange people. This allows for a lot of cool things to happen. This allows for a much more mad and pissed off Austin Theory. This allows for, you know, Lashley just solidified his heel turn, so he's going to either go on and feud with Rollins, which makes sense, or they're going to have him feud with Theory over who's the bigger asshole, which isn't necessarily something I want to see, but it's it's a direction we can go, and, and Seth Rollins gets to go on forward with the United States Championship, looking pretty damn strong at the end of the day, because he came out there with his convictions, he came out there with his, I'm going to put this title on the line, he came out there uh, to two guys initially, that were going to challenge him at the beginning of the night, he could have slipped out. He came out again, took an ass-whooping from a fresh Bobby Lashley, and then went on to take on the challenge of a fresh Austin Theory, and still came out on top at the end of it. Yes, it was a big pile of people mess, but standing on top of that mess right now is Seth Rollins with that United States Championship. And I'm sorry, but when he gets to look that good, Seth Rollins having the name that he has already, it does help that United States Championship because the world champion is hardly ever on Raw. Not a bad way to end Raw whatsoever. Moving on through the week, you guys will note once again I did not do an NXT review. Uh, again, it's a situation of the work week got a little bit away from me and not to uh, sound like an asshole, but I was kind of paying attention to what's going on in the States and uh, it's interesting. I, up until right before I would say right before COVID, but maybe a couple years before that, I wasn't really very much of a political person. I wasn't even paying attention to our stuff, let alone our good neighbors to the south. But, uh, yeah, I was kind of interested. I didn't really know how the whole midterm election thing worked, so I watched that sort of off and on, and I figured if I'm going to do that, I can't really do that and do an NXT review. Very, very interesting things happening in uh, Arizona. Very sketchy. Um... But yeah, so you're not going to get a full NXT review from me, but I'll quickly go through a couple of bullet points. Uh, Joe Gacy beat Ca uh, Cameron Grimes with help from the schism. Again, Cameron Grimes should be on the main roster. I'll agree with a lot of people that are saying that. And schism just gained the daughter's, <laughs> the Rock's daughter, I can speak, I swear. So focus is going to be on them for a little bit. Um, Carmelo Hayes and Wesley are going to have a North American Championship title match in two weeks. They're going to have a contract signing next week. Now, they did this with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams in the barbershop. And they do this every now and then. They don't overdo it, which is the big point. But the whole, like oh, we're all chatting at the barbershop and there happens to be a camera here. It's cheesy, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you something to think about here. 
there are people out there, and even though he's not my favorite person, Cody Rhodes is probably the best example of this, who will make the best out of really shit material. Now, take that element, and the barbershop segment isn't terrible, it's kind of okay. Right? So if you get Cody, who can take really, really shit content and make it good, then you get somebody that's awesome like Carmelo Hayes, you give them okay content and they can make it great. Um, Carmelo Hayes, again, um, I want to see him take on Wesley, 100%. That match is going to be fantastic. I'm really bummed that they're not saving it for a deadline, unless they do a fucked finish and then they throw it on the pay-per-view anyway, which is absolutely fine by me. Uh, he's another one that should be on the main roster, though. Wes, it's now... Because Wesley is in such a different spot, because he got fucked over when they screwed over his tag team partner because of politics, and yes, that's what it was, um, for him to then overcome, find his own identity on NXT, and then become a singles champion is a cool story. The story of the North American Championship should be Wesley's story going forward, not Carmelo Hayes' story going back and trying to get that title one more time, because he didn't get that. If they were going to do that, they should have done that uh, in the latter match, right? But if not, he also should go to the main roster because continue continue the already existing Carmelo Hayes versus Solo Sokoa uh, rivalry on SmackDown. That would be fucking great. So, as much as I'm a fan of Carmelo Hayes, I'm saying this in the most productive and forward-moving way possible. Because he's so great, I hope he loses the tag team or loses the title match in two weeks, so that he can go to the main roster along with. I would say put Grimes on Raw, put Carmelo Hayes on SmackDown. That's just me. Uh, Electra Lopez has her comeback match against Sol Ruka. She wins her comeback match, obviously, because it's a comeback match, and then she's attacked by Indy Hartwell, who's a bad guy now, and goes on to lecture um, Roxanne Perez later on in the night about how you can't really have friends in this business. But uh, it's fine. It is what it is. Uh, we are getting Alba Fire versus Mandy Rose next week in a Last Woman Standing match, which is great. You're getting Braun Breaker versus Von Wagner for the NXT Championship next week, which is a thing that's also happening. Now, I like Braun Breaker, right? I do. I, I think as sort of a poster child for what 2.0 was, he works really well. And through that, I do like him now, still, even though that we're, we've kind of come back a little bit. But now, think about the former NXT champions. you got Seth Rollins, you've got Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, uh, Adam Cole, Bebe, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Aleister Black, Vaughn Wagner. No. <laughs> That's all I got. Um, J, uh, J.D. McDonough defeated Axiom per the ref stoppage thing after he did some absolutely gross shit with his leg. I really do like the whole, like, I know how to dissect people's bodies thing. Now, as, for promos, it makes the promos come off a little bit cringy. For character, it makes the character come off a little bit cringy. It 100% makes the matches themselves feel more dangerous because you are now in there with somebody who doesn't want to beat you. You're in there with somebody who wants to stay in there as long as they can because they're going to enjoy hurting you and damaging you. And I think that part of it is cool. Tone down the promos. It's fine. Um... He's taking on Apollo next week, and the Apollo thing is just weird coming out with his bloody eyes, etc. But I will say, 
video footage that I've seen online of not only Apollo Crews but also Omas going home to Nigeria, being there with their communities and their families and their friends there. Absolutely cool, wholesome wrestling shit. Also, go and find, what's his name, Top Dollar from from uh, Hit Row, find the stuff that he's put up on Twitter in the past couple of days. He's doing some local charity, local food drive type thing. In amongst all the bullshit, you can find some really wholesome shit in the wrestling community, so go uh, make sure you take a look at that as well. Shawn Michaels has a big announcement next week about Countdown, or sorry, Deadline, and it's an announcement, and they said they're gonna, he's going to lay the framework for, for uh, Deadline. Now, I've heard one of two things here... Um, I don't think it's going to be either one of these things, obviously. Um, either he's going to make the announcement that it's not Deadline, it's NXT TakeOver Deadline, which, eh, don't call it TakeOver until you put it in, a, in an arena. And the other thing is, go is a much simpler announcement, and that's that they're going to bring back the championship scramble, and there's going to be a scramble match for the NXT championship at, uh, at Deadline. Now, if you do a scramble, it could be... What would it be? It would be Braun Breaker, Ilya Dragunov, JD McDonough, Grayson Waller, Apollo Crews. Like, would that be the championship scramble? I like the scrambles. Um, I don't. I didn't like when they did a whole pay per view of them. That was a bit much. But yeah, I uh, put it down in the box below. Let me know what you think. Shawn Michaels is. Uh, uh, announcement is going to be tomorrow as you're listening to this on Monday. I have to remember that. So now we move on to SmackDown, which has new music and a new opening video, unless I just haven't been paying attention the past couple of weeks, which is fine. They started the night with the Usos versus the New Day titles versus tag team record. Uh, there's no Solo, there's no Sammy with the Usos for a bunch of different reasons. Now, them not having any backup was... it, it, gave, the, it gave the match a little bit more legitimacy, I suppose. It gave it a little bit more of a... You know, let's leave all of our friends... Like, if Big E was there, obviously we wish Big E the best, etc., etc., etc. It gave the whole, like, let's leave all of our friends in the back, let's settle this one-on-one, -on -one, or in this case, two-on-two. -two. But also, Michael Cole was quick to inform us that Sami Zayn was not on the programming tonight, or uh, I would assume on Monday as well, because he's dealing with a personal issue. Now, a couple people online have, have uh, insinuated that he's had some sort of, like, passing in the family within his friend group or whatever. I'm not going to speculate on that. I'm just going to say that Sami Zayn is awesome. I hope he's doing alright. I hope he's doing great. If that ha if he has suffered some sort of uh, loss or trouble within his family or friends or whatever, wish him the best. Nothing but good vibes for that guy. But I'm also, as I said, also not going to speculate because it's none of my goddamn business. But they did show Heyman and Solo and Roman in the back watching the match. They made a point because it was Veterans Day in the States or Remembrance Day up here in Canada. They're celebrated on the same day. They made reference to the referee whose name I cannot remember, who, but who is, uh, you know, military veteran of, of some description and they... They, on commentary, they sort of, like, you know, thanked him for his service, etc. Also, the Usos were wearing Tribute to the Troops versions of the Usos gear, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, at some point in the match, there's a low bridge by the by the Usos, and Kofi takes a crazy head-first bump off of the... Over, like, he's in the ring, he goes over the ropes, and takes a head-first bump on the apron on the way to the floor, which was not great. Um... Again, I have to say, because they do that spot in the middle of the match, you know where the match kind of stops and everybody kind of lines up face-to-face-to-face, -to -face -to -face, and then they all just sort of start throwing hands. 
I have to say it again, and it's as true here as it was on Monday, New Day Trying to Be Serious is hilarious. They, uh, towards the end, they throw the, uh, they throw Xavier Woods over into the, in, not into the crowd, but into the timekeeper's area. Kofi Kingston tries to come off of the top rope for a top rope something, and hilariously jumps into the 1D. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. He jumps into the 1D. Uh, Usos win. Usos have now achieved the new record. Technically, Michael Cole says they will re eh, receive or have beaten the longest tag team record as of Monday, but as there's no tag team match uh, signed on Monday, then they're pretty much the record holders now, which is a big angle alert that something is going to happen on Raw tonight. As I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, you guys will be listening to this Monday morning tonight. Guarantee somebody's going to come out and challenge the Usos, but that's that's it. That's another story for another time. Uh, they come back to the back, and they're looking to Roman for some kind of praise, some kind of plaudits, and he stands up very serious. He's like, are you happy with yourselves? And he stays all serious, and then he finally breaks and gives him a big hug. You see Jay specifically give him like the huge, like crushing hug and it's all that kind of thing. And then they say later on tonight we're going to make another announcement. This is going to be a special moment. And this is, they even put it on the graphic like this, which made it a bit awkward. You know, the bloodline will have a special moment later tonight, which is fine. The SmackDown World Cup has people all wound up. Oh my god, they're just doing that because somebody else is doing the cross-promotion and da-da-da-da. I'm like, okay, but you watch a show called Winter is Coming. Just saying. Cross-promotion is a thing, and it's okay that cross-promotion is a thing. SmackDown's having a World Cup Championship uh, tournament, and the winner's going to face... Uh, I, I have to start calling him Gunther, don't I? I have to stop making the Walter thing. Uh, but it's Shinsuke Nakamura versus Santos, so you've got Japan versus Mexico. Santos entering in a mask like he used to do in NXT and then removing it before he fights is a nice touch. Um, commentators do in fact mention that Shinsuke Nakamura has a match coming up with the Great Muta for, at a show for Noah, which I'm not very familiar with. I know they mentioned it briefly when they did the multiverse of matches in in Impact Wrestling, there was some... I think uh, Eddie Edwards says at that point he was representing Noah, but that was more so that he wouldn't say he was representing Impact, which was a nice touch. Um, I, I believe this is the Great Muda's, like, sort of farewell tour, for lack of a better term. Um, everybody and their mother was saying, oh, I bet they don't even mention that on uh, SmackDown because WWE are assholes. Well, they did, so you're wrong. Um, three distractions in a row for Legato Del Fantasma. First. So Cruz Del Toro, Joaquin Wilde, and Zelina Vega, uh, Phantom Driver from the second rope uh, by Santos Escobar was pretty decent looking. Santos Escobar obviously gets the win. He moves on in the tournament. Um, later on in the night, we have one more match to talk about, and I won't have nearly as much to say. Six-pack challenge, number one contenders match for the women's SmackDown Women's Championship at Survivor Series. That's a big, long, uh, big, long introduction, is it not? But first... As the entrances are being made, we go to the back where Ellie Knight is being interviewed, and they do the glitchy stuff on the screen behind him for Bray Wyatt. And he's like, oh, I don't get that out of here. Get the turn that TV off. I don't want to hear, hear or see that loser. Bray Wyatt steps up to him and starts talking about how he used to regret all the terrible things that he's done, but now I'm learning to enjoy them, whatever. And they have a stare down, and it, Bray Wyatt just wallops him with a massive headbutt, which was great. So please. Please 
tell me that this version of Bray Wyatt, his first rivalry was going to be with L.A. Knight. Yeah. But then we go back to the women's six-pack challenge, and it's going to be Liv Morgan versus Shotzi versus Sonya Deville versus Raquel Rodriguez versus Lacey Evans versus Zaya Lee. Now they all, once again, and peep this wound people up all over again because you people out there are strange. They took a moment to recognize Lacey Evans, her her military career and her contributions to the to the veteran services, however you, however you want to phrase it, which is nice. You should do these things. Just saying. You know, talk about Veterans Day, talk about Remembrance Day, talk about whatever. Like, it's one day that we ask you to take a second or two and thank the people that make it possible for the biggest problem in your day to be some asshole on Twitter. Just just putting it out there. Now, looking at the match overall, though, I'm like, I'm thinking it's going to be Raquel Rodriguez, because Raquel Rodriguez, her first match was a face-to-face -face with Ronda Rousey, and it was... You know, Ronda Rousey helped her look pretty damn good. And it's a bunch of other people where it's like, well, Sonya would be nice, but it's going to be Raquel. Shotzi would be nice, but it's going to be Raquel. Liv Morgan, uh, repetitive, but I still like Liv Morgan, so that would be nice, but they're going to give it to Raquel. Lacey Evans would be whatever, but they're going to give it to Raquel. And Zia Lee would be pretty fucking awesome, but they're going to give it to Raquel. Except they gave it to Shotzi, which made me grin ear to ear. You can hear me, you can probably hear it in my voice when I say it. My girl Shotzi, who I actually met, you guys know this story by now, um, at one of my first Destiny shows. Check it off your Spats Phoenix bucket list. It's fine. Um, really, really awesome person. Never really got to run with anything other than a quick tag team title run in NXT and has sort of been an extra, like a, a very fun extra, but an extra on SmackDown. Now, on the other side of the coin, do I think she's going to be Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series? Absolutely fucking not. Uh, as a fan of hers, the uh, best I can hope for. It's like seeing your favorite wrestler go up against The Undertaker at WrestleMania. The best you can hope for is they're going to go in there and look really good. Or look really cool. Or do something memorable. Or whatever. But uh, the other thing I'm going to say is there was a spot towards the end. On the outside where it was Raquel was setting up Sonya Deville for some kind of powerbomb and Liv Morgan jumped off the guardrail, and the idea was that she was going to put all three of them through the table. And she missed. And this was the worst thing in the world. Liv Morgan's so terrible. Barbie dolls shouldn't wrestle, blah, blah, blah. You go do it. Seriously, you go do it. You go do whatever the fuck she was trying to do in that spot on that night. You go do it. Never mind the fact that she almost, like, ate shit off of the face of that table with her, with her face and everything. So, yeah, no... You're, you're all full of shit, and once again, much like the Lacey Evans thing, much like the Dana Brooke thing, much like the Charlotte Flair thing, you are allowed to be white, blonde, and successful moving on, moving forward. If that bothers you in 2022, you are now the problem. Oh yes. Emma is in the back congratulating Shotzi and asking Shotzi if she's seen Madcap Moss, and then Shotzi implies that she has a crush on Madcap Moss, and it's a bit strange, until I read later on... Apparently, Emma and Mad Cat Moss are, like, a thing in real life, which is fine, and I mean, okay, I guess, but if you don't know that, then this just seems really girly high school shit. Like, this, it, like if you don't have that previous knowledge, then you're just watching this as a casual fan, as, as I guess I was at the time, because I didn't know. This seems very much like diva-era backstage segment stuff. And then, you've got Shayna Baszler who comes to talk shit to Shotzi and, you know, Shotzi's gonna do her do her best and she's gonna make a statement at, uh, 
at uh, Survivor Series and all that sort of thing. And Ronda has never fought somebody like me, even though she's definitely fought her before. So that line was bad. And he says, "Oh yeah, why don't you? Uh, why don't you say that to her face?" She turns around, looks Ronda in the face while while Shayna Baszler taps her out, and then we find out later on that they're going to face next week. Now, I don't mind. I know this right now. I'm a big fan of Shotzi, you guys all know. I'm also a big fan of Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey, so I don't have a dog in this race. I don't mind that she's going to probably go to Survivor Series, make a good, solid effort of things, and then, at the end of the day, probably eat shit. Now, if she's going to go through Shayna to get to Ronda Rousey, which doesn't make sense because she just won a six-pack challenge to get her shot at Ronda Rousey, and she has to eat shit twice, that's a little different. A little bit. Uh, we announced that the next match in the... Sorry, happening next week in the uh, SmackDown World Cup is going to be Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali, which is interesting because not only does Mustafa Ali technically work on Raw, but he also got taken apart by Bobby Lashley on Raw, as we spoke about in the whole Seth Rollins Open Challenge debacle. But... On the other side of the coin, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rest my laurels on those types of things. When I see a marquee that says Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali, uh, my response is that's gonna be a fucking good match. Oh yes, uh, the World Cup continues with Braun Strowman beating the shit out of Jinder Mahal. Oh yes, now everybody's mad uh, again because Strowman thinks that big guys are just as good as little guys. That's about the extent of it. Um, I will say, for years and years and years, when WWE actually deserved the moniker of all oh, the battle of the or the land of the giants, you can only be, you know, you can only succeed in the WWE if you're six five, two seventy five, right? And for years and years and years, cruiserweights and X division guys and indie guys and guys from other companies were well, you don't have to be big and slow and and you know lunkheads like these guys are. Comments like that went, went around four years. Now, so now when the popular thing is, you know, the high flyers, the more athletic guys, the technical guys, the, you know, 75 Canadian destroyers in one match, guy, now that that's the popular thing, when Strowman and Omos go and have the cool match that they had at Crown Jewel, and he wants to come out and say, well, we don't have to do all that flippy floppy firework shit to have a good match. Hey, Omos, is, aren't we awesome? We just showed them that. It's the same thing! And you're all crazy! Now, I will say, Mustafa Ali tweeting Braun Strowman, he says, hey, can you give me can you give me pointers on getting fired, was funny on a number of levels, because Braun Strowman did get released, and Mustafa Ali couldn't get his release, and we're supposed to be like, oh, big, bad, evil, WWE, rah, 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 because they wouldn't give him his release. But think about this for a second. You're kind of owning yourself, and you're kind of like shooting your own point in the foot. Because are WWE not showing you that they valued you more than the horrible big guy by releasing Braun Strowman and keeping you, but yet, oh, we, we have to struggle twice as hard because we're not big guys. Well, the big guys got let go. Keith Lee got let go. Hell, back in the day, somebody made the decision to fire Ryback. Somebody made the decision to fire, you know, lots of people. Um... I don't get it. It's weird. One side is allowed to fire shots at the other, and the other side's never allowed to fire back. And that can go pretty much in any in any walk of life, in any world issue, in any group versus any group. There's always one side that's allowed to talk 
all the shit that they want, and the other side's never going to be able to get a word out, or they're the they're the hateful ones, or they're the discriminatory ones, or they're the they're the ones that are over overstating their case, or whatever the case may be. So please don't burn down my city, but I'm gonna side with Braun Strowman on this one. Oh yes. Uh, Zelina Vega versus BFAB didn't happen because we got the return of the Viking Raiders with Sarah Logan, who, yes, is done up in this very awesome sort of like Viking ceremonial type, you know, horns and the leather outfit and all that bit. And Jesus Christ, she pours her heart out. And by pours her heart out, I mean her tits. Jesus Christ. Sarah Logan's fucking hot. I'm just saying. Um, they put a beat down on Hit Row and Legato, and they end the segment with Sarah Logan hitting this cool pop-up headbutt thing on B-Fab, and then they stand tall at the end of the day. Uh, once again, the Viking Raiders look like a million bucks. Sarah Logan being with them also means that she's back in the company. And once again, I have to drill down on the people that are just like, well, these, this person doesn't agree with me on an issue that has nothing to do with wrestling. Therefore, they should not be able to make a living. These are the the points that I've heard for weeks and weeks and weeks about Sarah Logan specifically, ever since they started doing the uh, the video packages for the return of Viking Raiders as, you know, new big badass Viking Raiders with Sarah Logan in their corner and whatever. The immediate thing, they, they don't agree with what she says politically. They don't agree with the fact that she's a hunter. They don't agree with the fact that she put a book out on on cooking meat and doing, like, you know, doing your own farm-to-table stuff. They The really weird people out there are getting on her case on social media because she talks openly about breastfeeding her kid. I'm like, get a real fucking problem. So what did they do? On her return, within 24 hours of her return and the Viking Raiders return, they went on Google and basically went, give me anybody else that also has a Viking gimmick. And they found this chick on the indies who I don't know from anybody, so I don't want to slag off on them too much, but basically, it is a... <laughs> I just walked out of a Spirit Halloween uh, back catalog onto an indie show, Viking Chick, who's apparently been doing the Viking thing for a little bit, and said, so now all these people have said, oh, this is, this, don't, doesn't everybody know about, what is it, Max the Impaler? I'm like, okay, first of all, you're crossing your genres there between Vikings and, and vampires, so that's kind of shit. But it's like, you, you literally Googled whoever else has ever done a Viking gimmick and said, she's copying her. I'm like, no. That doesn't work, considering the Viking Raiders have basically had the same gimmick since they debuted in NXT, considering the fact that if you follow any of them back through their social media over the past couple of years, they all have the Viking things. I think it's, um, I think it's Roe, um, Raymond Roe, or whatever the hell his real name is, who actually has, like, Nordic Viking ancestry and all that. The rest of them do the, do the cosplay thing. They do the cultural stuff, like... <laughs> Oh, because she's never been a Viking on... Check out, like, when you see Sarah Logan, when she debuted in, NX in NXT and then progressed and progressed and progressed, and then they split up the Riot Squad, and then the more she stayed around in WWE before she was let go, the more she got closer and closer and closer to what she is now. So to act like they just decided to do this this week, you're fucking morons, and it's such a fucking self-own, it has to make me laugh. You literally went and Googled jobbers that are Vikings so that you can say that somebody on the big stage of WWE copied the indies. And why did you do it? You did it because they disagree with you on something on Twitter that has nothing to do with wrestling and therefore you don't think they should have a fucking job. That's sad. And it's pathetic. 
and you are why the rest of us look bad. That is all. After that, also, it's really cool to see the Viking Raiders back, by the way, just in there owning shit. It's very, very cool to see Sarah Logan in the ring for the first time since her uh, cameo spot in the Royal Rumble. So, somebody you don't like got a job. I bet, I bet, whoever's podcasting all this shit right now, if we go back to the day that she was released, you would have inc included her name in your false outrage about all the COVID area releases. But now the fact that she's back is worse. You're all very, very sketchy people. <laughs> Oh, the comment section is going to be wonderful. And then we got the bloodline with no Sammy, obviously, because he's dealing with his personal issues. Roman Reigns congratulating the Usos and saying, you know, this is what it's like to stand stand in greatness and all the other things that he says in his, in his promos and all that kind of thing. And uh, Paul Heyman puts them over, starts mentioning a bunch of other tag teams, and then he says, ah, I'm just kidding. None of them can basically shine your boots. And Roman Reigns turns to the Usos, and he's about to say something, and I swear to God, they're going to play this up like he was about to say, I acknowledge my cousins. Because he started off the promo saying, it's really hard to be my cousins, they've always been in my shadow, etc. It's, it's like a the world's worst backhanded compliment, right? But... The point of it is, I think he was going to end it off with, or we're supposed to think that he was going to end it off with, I acknowledge you guys, you guys are the record-breaking title holders, etc. Interrupted by Ridge and Butch, who then bring out Sheamus to challenge them, and the numbers game is still what it is. And then soon, you know, quick on Sheamus's heels is Drew McIntyre. Sort of low-key solidifying the face turn of the Brawling Brutes, first of all, which is kind of cool. Um, you got the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre that go face-to-face-to-face-to-face-to-face with the four existing members of the Bloodline. Now, they've kind of made use of the fact that Sammy wasn't there, because this was a four-on-four -four brawl. War Games will obviously be a five-on-five -five brawl. Sammy's not there, so we know who their fifth is. Who's the fifth on the other side going to be? You're, oh, I'd be really surprised if it wasn't Kevin Owens. So you've got the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens versus the entire Bloodline. And then you've got the women's uh, War Games match building up on Raw. This is a hell of a card. Now, let's talk about, because we're basically done with Survivor Series, er, with uh, SmackDown. Survivor Series right now, um, the Bloodline versus the Brutes and Drew McIntyre, and I'm guessing right now, Kevin Owens. You've got Damage Control, Nikki Cross, and one other person, which I would have, up until this week, said would have been Rhea Ripley, but it'll be Nikki and somebody, versus Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, uh, Asuka, and somebody and somebody. In the other War Games match, you've just confirmed Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi, which is going to be fun. We've just strongly hinted at Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight, yeah, which is going to be fine. Survivor Series, already great. We're not going to have a world title match because Roman's going to be in the match. We're not going to have a Raw Women's Championship match. Lucky for Bianca Belair, oh, look at that, because she's in a match. Uh, we're not going to have a tag team title match because they're in the match. So what are the other title matches? We better have uh, Intercontinental, we better have a US, and we better, we ne well, we do have a Women's SmackDown Women's Championship, but so far, so far it's looking pretty damn good. Uh, takeaways from this week, obviously Mia Yim's return. Um, in my takeaways, I did have a Where's Sammy, but then they explained that away on SmackDown. We got a, a, a huge hint towards uh, Ripley versus Bel Air, which is going to be awesome whenever it does happen. The Raiders and Sarah Logan returning 
is a plus. I don't care. Go fuck yourself. Um, we did get the hint of a match that I want to see at some point, and right now, I don't think they'll stretch it out to WrestleMania, but I do think it's very possible for the Rumble, and that is US title match, Styles versus Rollins versus Balor. Because you got St uh, Rollins sort of on his own as an island, being the guy with the title, and you got the other two who both have pretty strong backings at the moment, which is very, very cool. Next week on SmackDown, we've got Shotzi versus Baszler. We've got Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali, which has been a lot of fun. Um, handle a couple of uh, rumors and, and potential comebacks, etc. The one big uh, rumor going around was that uh, Bo Dallas and Eric Rowan are going to come back and somehow be part of the Wyatt thing. That's cool on a bunch of... Like, whatever they do creatively, that's cool on a personal level because, I mean, it's his brother and one of his best friends and they can get back together and they can, you know, commiserate about their fallen brother, obviously, which is still very much a thing. Um, I don't know whether they ever bring Braun Strowman back into that mix because he's way too much in his own direction now, you know, weirdos on the other show making fun of his pants because they don't really have anything else to, to do. Um, <laughs> the Jeff Jarrett shit on AEW is fucking retarded. Um, still, potential returns rumored for WWE. Chelsea Green is still heavily in the rumor conversation, which lends a lot of credence to uh, Matt Cardona coming in, or at least making sort of, shall we say, a cameo appearance. Matt Cardona, as Matt Cardona, popping up in the Rumble would be a very, very interesting thing. We saw them uh, bring in Mickey James this year with, uh, like, actual Impact Women's Champion with the Impact music, Mickey James, instead of, like, their version of Mickey James. Nick Aldis is done with NWA, and there's rumors that WWE are pursuing him. I mean, I wouldn't mind. The guy's technically great. He's pretty good on the mic. It's not going to rock my world specifically, but somebody, I'm sure, out there will enjoy it. Tegan Knox, as a rumor, is still out there on the periphery. We're still waiting for Becky Lynch and for Charlotte Flair to, uh, to come back from whatever. I mean, we know Becky's injured and Charlotte's dealing with other... Th I think Andrade came out and said, well, she's dealing with other things that I'll let her talk about when she wants to talk about them. So, whatever. Fair enough. Once again, I go back to my point from a while ago. It's none of our fucking business. She's dealing with some stuff. Sami Zayn wasn't on Raw and SmackDown. The immediate question is why. The immediate answer is he's dealing with some stuff. Mind your fucking business. Becky, Charlotte, Tegan... Chelsea Green, a bunch of more, a bunch more additions to the women's division that are awesome. Look at the additions to the women's division we've had in the past little while. Dakota Kai, Emma, Sarah Logan, uh, Scarlett if she decides to wrestle, I guess. Mia Yim joining the OC also means Mia Yim is in the WWE's women's division again. Now, that's, and that goes back to what I was saying a couple weeks ago. Uh, we don't need 10 or 12 more main eventers in the women's division, but it would be really, really cool to build a really strong women's division. Unify, unify the women's championships. I, and this is my take. On, my take on this always changes, but this is my take right now. The uh, the rumor that they're bringing in a mid card women's championship, or that a couple of the wrestlers on the brand are are pulling for a mid card championship. Do that, but only do that if you are unifying the women's world titles, because. There can't be two world titles and a mid-card title. Now, you'll say for the men, you know, the US, the IC, but look, right now there's only one world champion in Roman Reigns, and doesn't that make the other two titles flourish more? Um, build a mid-card. Sorry, I was putting my thoughts together for a second there. Build the mid-card before you 
establish a mid-card championship. They created the tag team titles and then tried to build teams around them. That is where WWE fell down, and I will freely admit that. They're trying to fix that now. They're trying to get the Iconics back, I think. Um, but yeah, create a division first and then create the title for it. Now, I've said it for the past couple of weeks, Triple H is building a women's mid-card. Build that women's mid-card. Establish some feuds in that women's mid-card away from the main championships because you know that Ronda Rousey is going to carry that belt to Mania to have the proper match with Becky Lynch, and you know Bianca Belair is going to hold on to that title because it's Bianca Belair. So build some other feuds away from those two title pitchers, unify those titles, and then the feuds that you've created in the mid-card then will legitimately require a championship of their own. The TBS title, except do it properly. That's all I got. And that's all I've got for this week. I know I didn't touch much on Crown Jewel directly, but I mean, talking about what's happened on all these shows has given me an opportunity to kind of look back on Crown Jewel as well. There's a lot of pay-per-views coming up in the next little while. There's Survivor Series, there's Full Gear, there's Final Battle, there's... Oh, yeah, count or, um, Deadline. And I was about to say there's day one, but there isn't day one anymore, so that's that. Anyways, I hope you guys have enjoyed this little ramble. I hope you guys have enjoyed me losing my mind about other people losing their mind, and everybody needs to fucking chill out a little bit. People that you don't like are still allowed to have jobs. That's the big takeaway from this week's episode. Anyways, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.